The views expressed on this episode of My Take Radio do not reflect the views, thoughts, or feelings of the My Take Radio staff, My Take Radio advertisers, or My Take Radio content partners. Listener and viewer discretion is advised. This coverage is live and uncensored, so if you have any small children present, you may want to have them leave the room. What's up, guys? My Take Radio, episode 262, presented by Rageworks for Thursday, December 18th, 2014. I'm your host, Rich, and if this is your first time tuning in, My Take Radio is a variety show covering mixed martial arts, professional wrestling, gaming, and entertainment. As always, the show is rated M for mature, and listener and viewer discretion is advised. You can listen to the show live right now by heading over to mtrlive.com, gfqlive.tv, It's also being simulcast on Mixler and Blog Talk Radio as well. Archived episodes are available on iTunes, Stitcher, and TuneIn Radio. Once again, if you want to interact, our call in number 347-324-3541-347-324-3541. All right, we're in the final show of 2014. I am wired up, fired up, and inspired to fuck shit up. And it's going to be a really great show for tonight. We got... A lot of gaming and a lot of entertainment on deck. We're going to definitely address Sony's cowardice with regards to the interview and what's going on with North Korea. And I want to definitely hear from you guys and see where you stand. I've been seeing and speaking to a lot of people that are definitely upset, not so much about the movie itself being shelved, but about how easily we just folded to a, a group of people that, you know, we don't even know who they are with regards to the quote-unquote hacker community that's involved in this particular situation. I definitely want to dig into that uh, substantially during our entertainment segment. Of course, we got some gaming news on deck. I know Slick uh, reached out to me earlier in the day and told me there was some other stuff we're going to be discussing. A couple of things before we get into it. As I said during last night's MMA and wrestling show, this will be the final episode of my take radio for 2014 don't think that it's the final episode of my take radio period because it's not we got a lot more stories to tell a lot more shit to talk and we are primed for an awesome 2015 Um, i actually have been speaking with our colleagues at royal flush magazine and we are working on some really cool stuff for 2015 there may there may even be an event put together to um get the listeners and the viewers and and everybody else involved so that they can check it out and interact with us on a more personal level here in New York City. Um, Something we're going to put together in 2015. Uh, We're starting to lay the groundwork right now and 
definitely want to gauge some interest, what you guys want to check out, if you want to have it be more of a gaming event, a social gathering, etc. And we're looking at a couple of venues. Myself and Danny from Royal Flush Magazine are really excited to put something together for you guys in 2015. In addition to that, we're also working on creating something for a lot of the new media community that's out there after doing the um, the presentation at Pace University. Her and myself, we, we spoke about just a, a lot of the different things and a lot of the the stuff that's out there, misinformation, ethics, and things that we can try and pass on to our fellow, you know, bloggers, writers, podcasters, new media content producers. And we do feel that there's definitely a, a void that needs to be filled in that market, primarily because there's there's so much stuff out there. There's so many expectations. Um, just a, like I said, just a proper etiquette about reaching out and trying to uh, gain PR contacts and how to conduct interviews and how to cover events, et cetera, et cetera. Nobody's out there really just giving people the tools for that there. And if they are, they're trying to give you a course or a book or, or just, just stuff that you really shouldn't buy. I'm going to be honest when I say this, if, you know, if you can't commit to doing 10 episodes of a podcast, and I've said this before, if you can't commit to that, then you shouldn't do one. Um, if you're going to get into, you know, running a website or writing a blog or whatever the case may be, and you can't commit to writing a minimum of at least three posts a week, if you're the only person writing, then then don't waste your time or anyone else's because if you can't put stock in your work, no one is going to put stock in you. So Danny and I discussed that at length today, along with some other stuff we want to try and put together for you guys in 2015. Uh, next week, we're going to try and give away a whole bunch of stuff uh, throughout the week leading up to Christmas Day and the day after and maybe even into Saturday, depending on what's in the MTR prize closet. And we're going to try and put a post a day with a different thing that you can win and try and just announce the winners for each item by the end of the week. Again, it's something that we are definitely working on and we're going to do our best to make sure everybody gets an opportunity to win something as we close out 2015. Uh, a couple of other things. MTR will be back January 7th and 8th. Uh, January 7th, of course, for MMA and wrestling at 11 p.m. Eastern, 8 p.m. Pacific and January 8th for uh, gaming and entertainment. Of course, we'll be talking about all the post holiday stuff that went down uh, during that two week period. But what we are going to be doing while the show is off air is we're going to continue the migration of MyTakeRadio.com to rageworks.net we are working on that uh, every night <laughs> i'm actually putting in a decent amount of hours migrating a lot of content over as i said the even though i'd love for for both sites to exist i do feel that one is encroaching on the other and at the end of the day rageworks is is the brand and my take radio is one of the many forks of that brand and like i said during last night's broadcast, our colleagues at VGN are joining us, and we're going to be putting out some really cool stuff with those guys as well. And like I said at the start of the show, uh, Danny and, and myself and our colleagues at Royal Flush Magazine are definitely going to try and give you guys some really awesome stuff in 2015. So definitely hang on to your hats, stick along for the ride, because it's going to be, it, it's going to be an awesome year. I'm definitely pumped for that. Um, the other thing I did want to discuss, and this is something that... Um, I want to kind of just touch on briefly is that with Christmas next week, obviously 
Uh, I know a lot of you guys are asking how we're uploading the shows and if they can find ways to listen to the show while they're on vacation. A couple of different guys reached out. And like I said at the top of the show, iTunes is your best bet if you're an iOS user. Every show from 1 to 262 is there. You can find every episode there. If you're more about streaming, you can stream the episodes on Stitcher or tune in radio. And of course, if you want the complete MTR experience, get the My Take Radio app available for Android, iOS, and Windows devices. It's $1.99. You get all the episodes there as well in 96K stereo. Now, I did want to talk about our Blog Talk Radio feed because it was brought to my attention that Blog Talk Radio is working on improving the audio quality of their service, um, something that they've been working on behind the scenes. And um, a couple of people have brought it to my attention. So maybe in 2015, we'll get some good audio quality out of Blog Talk Radio as well. And we're going to stick with them for the foreseeable future until a better service presents itself that will allow us to monitor calls and take your calls in a more effective fashion. So that's where we are with that. Again, if you're on vacation, holiday break, you can find us on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, and of course you can go to MyTakeRadio.com or RageWorks.net and we do post the episodes there as well. If you're all about video, of course, YouTube is available on every platform so you can actually watch episodes of My Take Radio either by going to My Take Radio TV on YouTube or YouTube.com forward slash official RageWorks. So those are your two outlets there. We set up a brand new Twitch TV uh, channel for RageWorks. I kind of pulled the plug on the My Take Radio channel only because, again, we're doing more of that stuff with RageWorks versus MTR. So you'll be able to see some of the streams that we do over the holiday break. And you can find that. Of course, all the links for that will be in the show notes as well. And of course, once the channels are live, you can visit our Facebook fan page at RageWorks on Facebook or Twitter. And of course, uh, my take radio on Facebook and Twitter as well. And you can get updates for that. All right. So what's on deck for tonight? We're going to talk quite a bit about some gaming stuff. Of course, with the holidays, there's a lot of deals popping up, a lot of good stuff on the horizon. Of course, if you were one of those people that was burned by Ubisoft with Assassin's Creed, they, um, they will be releasing the, uh, whatever free game you want to get is available. I believe this week. And of course the patch to improve all those issues allegedly, uh, will be released this week as well. And we're going to touch on that and a couple of other things during this week's gaming segment. All right, let's get that ball rolling. Let's talk some video games and let's close out the last MTR for 2014. Let's do this shit. I know Slick wanted to get in on the gaming discussion for this week, so I'm going to pop in real quick and see pop in and see if he's ready to rock and roll. Mr. Slick. What's up, man? What's going on, brother? We are uh, rocking and rolling. I know you had some stuff for the gaming segment, so um, I want to kind of get some of the stuff out of the way, and then we'll jump into the stuff you wanted to bring to the table as well. No problem. All right. So first thing, and this was uh, quite random. I received an email from Capcom earlier this week, and um, the contents of the email were quite surprising just because they are releasing, get this, a definitive edition of the Ninja Theory DMC, a.k.a. Devil May Cry, for the PlayStation 4 and the Xbox One, March 17th, 2015. It's going to have all the DLC plus enhanced 
1080p graphics and it will be running at 60 frames per second it's going to include the turbo mode from the other uh brand new turbo mode plus it's going to include a uh, style mode and uh god must die mode and just you know all the other uh extremely hard versions of the game that were loaded there plus of course new costumes and classic designs now hearing that do you feel that this is going to be the trend going forward with not just capcom and and their releases of some of these games on systems but other companies just remastering and throwing fresh coats of paint and and re-releasing these games to the current generation do you feel that well and i say the current generation because like you were saying a couple of weeks back we kind of are no longer next gen this is the current generation of consoles right and i really hope the answer to that is no because i mean some games it's not so bad that you know it's getting the fresh coat of paint because maybe it came out at the beginning of the ps3 life cycle right devil may cry is not one of those games and i don't know very many people that actually bought that game even fewer that claim they enjoyed it well here's Here's so, a funny thing. I mean, I don't, no, go ahead. I'll let you finish. Go ahead. I, I see no reason for that particular game to, to come back out. And it's like, no, don't, don't keep rehashing games. Give us new games. Well, here's the, here's the funny thing about that. Not only would, did that email mention that, but of course they teased a brand new uh, Dante specific, the Dante we all know and love, Devil May Cry 4 as well, that's supposedly going to be released in 2015. Now, the thing that gets me about this is i actually got dmc for free via playstation plus and i've been chipping away at it the last couple of weeks and um not a terrible game definitely not a terrible game uh just a, a you know what it is if you turn that game on for the first time without knowing anything about dante or or the original style of devil may cry you're gonna find the game to be a pretty pretty enjoyable I mean, I do have some hang-ups about the control, and like I said, the design is a little funky, but it's, but that's also because I have a certain expectation from the previous Devil May Cry games, you know? But as such, it's not a terrible game. I just don't want this to become, like you were saying, the norm, you know? Like, you're, you're, we're, we're getting Ultra Street Fighter 4 on PlayStation 4 in 2015. We're getting uh, Ninja Theory's remastered DMC, remastered Resident Evil, etc 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 you see what i'm saying like but before you know it the same people that complain are going to be the same people that are running to buy these games even if they're 40 bucks it's still at this point it's it's pointless you know i just don't feel that instead that it's worth double dipping and trying to get people to just buy shit just for no apparent reason there's no reason why dmc should um you know get their shit going on you know yeah i agree i mean Let's let's take it back to this year. I still, you know, when you first announced it, I very vocally shit on it. As much as the game is fantastic, there was no need for The Last of Us Remastered. And even taking it, you know, back another notch, there was really no need for the definitive edition of Tomb Raider. All all you got was, and that was really, because it was the same game, all you really got in that was, Lara's hair moved better. Wow. Because, <laughs> I mean, the game itself on PS3 and Xbox 360 was beautiful. Right. And no matter how much you up the resolution, it's the same graphics. Right. The same thing with The Last of Us. The game was beautiful. It's not like you completely redid the graphics 
using some new engine. You didn't. All you did was up the resolution, add some extra effects, and repackage it. And what he called The Last of Us was the biggest offender. They had the balls to charge $60 for it. <laughs> but you know what the funny thing is? As soon as Black Friday rolled around, that game was like twenty four ninety nine. Like, you know what's funny about the remasters and the re-releases? You notice that they immediately get the sickle as soon as the holidays roll around. Yeah, because, I mean, I'd love to see the numbers on those games compared to the original. Right. I doubt either one of them sold better than the original. Right. And if they did, that's a damn shame. And that, that's, you know, that's a shame on us. And that's And that's what I'm saying, like... If you're going to do remastered versions of these games, like going so far as remastering DMC, I just feel that it's a game that hasn't been out long enough to warrant a a remastered treatment. I just I just don't feel that that's the case, you know? You want another kind of game I would want to see remastered, although it would never be on the PlayStation 4 or the Xbox? Remaster Super Mario World. Yeah, I, I, I'd love to see that. That's a game that you know that out you know came out a long ass time ago, and that's the thing. Nintendo's not doing, not pulling that bullshit. I mean, in some instances they are because it's two Zelda's now that they're doing it with. Because Ocarina of Time already came out, and they're doing it with Majora's Mask, but they're doing it on a 3DS. Right, and they're giving handheld gamers a bit more value that maybe just want to enjoy those games on a longer term basis. You know, in terms of just having that game with them. I mean, there's that's a little different. I just feel that, you know, for a remastered DMC that you're going to re-release, you know, you're going to charge forty, you know, fifty bucks, sixty bucks. You're not charging twenty nine ninety nine. I mean, even if you do and you charge half price, it'll be a little bit more acceptable. But I just don't feel it's going to be on par with, um, you know, some of the other games that have that sort of value out there. I mean, even Ultra Street Fighter 4 being remastered, I know why they're doing it because at the end of the day, they're trying to get the next-gen consoles into the competitive fighting scene, and there's no better way to do that than to release one of the most iconic games in the in you know in the genre. So in that respect, I understand where they're trying to go because they're trying to secure a footprint, you know, for Evo and all these. No, they're, the, not. they're trying to. Sex triple dip at this point. That's well, that, what they're trying to do. Right. So guess but, what, Capcom? Hold on a second. I mean, I get, I get where you're, where you feel that way, but you have to, you have to look at this from the standpoint of right now, the current competitive fighting scene is comprised of, you know, PlayStation Three and Xbox Three Sixty versions of, you know, all the games: Ultimate Marvel versus Capcom, you, you know, Street Fighter Four, whatever version you choose to play. Uh, maybe Mortal Kombat, maybe Injustice. So by moving these games to the next gen, you kind of start shifting the competitive, you know, the competitive focus to these newer consoles. Uh, while, while, yes, there is a double quadruple dip in there. There's also the fact that they're trying to move the medium towards these newer consoles, which is fine. But at the expense, you're basically forcing everybody to say hey we're going to evolve the medium and we're going to push it up to the next gen consoles and that's going to be it and it's in that case i just feel it's unfortunate because the fighting community the fighting game community could very well enjoy ultra street fighter and its current incarnation and then you can use street fighter 5 to make the jump you know dude uh, i need my own soundboard because i've been throwing that tracy morgan clip from that movie you did with Bruce Willis at you right now. 
Oh, yeah, it's yeah, yeah. a barrage of, of no's. <laughs> because my thing is, if you want to bridge the gap, as you're saying, guess what? Give a pre-order incentive to Street Fighter Five. Tell everybody who pre-orders Street Fighter Five early. You know, even even do like a time thing. Say if you... Let's say Street Fighter Five comes out in July. We don't have a due date yet. Right. But let's say if you pre-order between, I don't know, February and May, you get Street Fighter Four for the PlayStation Four. I could see that. You, you know get what? A I... Bonus disc with Street Fighter Four the same way when when um what do you call it? Um, I forgot what the hell Nintendo did it though. They they gave. A um a bonus disc with freaking well they gave Bayonetta they one with Bayonetta two no this was this was back a few consoles ago but yeah they gave Bayonetta one with Bayonetta two right I'm like that's that's how you quote unquote bridge the gap well I got one Don't better try to sell this shit again I got one better trade in your copy of Ultra Street Fighter four on either console and get you know Ultra Street Fighter four for PlayStation four for you know. 20 bucks or 10 bucks. You know what I mean? Like, remember when they were doing the game swap with Call of Duty and all these games when the new systems dropped? But the thing is, wasn't that the retailers that were doing that and not the actual um, developers? Well, the the developers were, were, were um, you know, the developers still are going are gonna to say yay or nay to it. I mean, the, the retailers are going to do whatever they choose, but the developers are going to be the ones that are going to get pissed, you know, because obviously they'll lose out money. But... I think that in that respect... No, they won't. How so? Uh, yeah, I guess you're right. I'm, I'm thinking the other way around, but I was thinking that the freaking retailer had to buy the game first, but no, you're right. Yeah, because it's like, but, if, if you're getting the game and the game is already there, the only thing that the retailer is going to end up doing is having a surplus of Ultra Street Fighter Four copies on the 360 or the PS3, but it's not like somebody, like some kid isn't going to buy it for 10 bucks, you know? But that's exactly the point. It's like, if I'm dying to play Street Fighter 4, I can get the original game for probably like 10 bucks right now and not even use. The original original, not the Ultra. Right. Okay. And if I want to get Ultra with everything, I can probably get that used for 20 bucks. You can, actually. Because I've seen it for about 25 used in some places. I mean, I've seen it go on eBay for, for a little less. But in, in, in with regards to that, I just look at it as... By you're, we're creating, it's one of the things we talked about a couple of weeks back. Where we're creating this, um, we're we're creating our own monster, like with the DLC. Remember, I'm like, oh, fifty dollar DLC. Well, let's see if people buy it. And the minute people start buying it, and it's a decent amount of people, they go, oh, we could get away with this. Same rules apply. It's like, all right, problem. It's like, all right, we're gonna remaster this game, throw a fresh coat of paint on it, give them sixty frames per second. And, you know, wow, here you go. And that's why I'm saying this should be some kind of, I mean, obviously you can't really do a rule, but this should be like one of those unspoken rules that if you're going to remaster a game, it needs to be at least two consoles back. All right. Like we're on the PS4 right now. It's like, I want to see a remaster of, I don't know, I'm trying to think of a PS2 game that hasn't already been remastered. Well, here's here's one, you dude. Dust the cobwebs off Battle Arena to Shinden. There you go. Or Bloody Roar. Somebody has to own that IP. And there you go. Yep. Or Bully. Like I was say, joking about a few a few weeks back. You know, Bully. Um, what was the game? 
where the guy was in the prison. They tried to make it like manhunt, but it, but it was he was in a prison. Is it, I could have sworn it was called the condemned or something like that. It, does that ring a bell to you? There definitely was a game called Condemned. I never played it though. Yeah, there was a game where you were like in a prison and they were like these demons and the guys had like knife legs and knife hands and shit. Real creepy stuff. And that's what I'm saying. Like, if you're going to do that, you're going to say, hey, or or here's one, Street Fighter Alpha 1. There you go. Give us, give us some Street Fighters we actually haven't played in the last year. Dude, I'd love a remastered Alpha 3. Fighters that, that we really can't get anymore. Yep. Danny said it's just condemned. Thank you, Danny. But that's what I'm saying. Like, Give us a freaking remake of freaking Riddick Escape from Butcher Bay. Oh, I'd love like that, that, man. Riddick Escape from Butcher Bay would be a tremendous game if they if well, they that remastered Wolverine that. Yep, the Wolverine game too. But but Riddick, especially as a first person shooter, man, it would be ridiculous if they if they remastered that. You know what I what I would also throw in that category? Quake. You know people would jump back on that shit. Aren't they making a new Quake? I've heard different things. Or is it Quake or Unreal? I, I think I think it's gonna be I think it's gonna be Unreal only because I've seen that floating around. I know there's another Doom as well, but I will say I will I'm say not this. Sure which one. I will say this when you're looking at it. Um, when you're looking when you're looking at all these games and we're talking about some of this old stuff and the remastered treatment, there we can we can lay out a laundry list of games. But the thing, like I said that gets me is that Capcom went out of their way to send me this email and I'm like, Oh, uh, thanks. And, and I just said to myself, was DMC that much of a, of a success where people were like, yo, that game needs to get remade. You know what I mean? Was there, was there an outpouring of support that warranted that? I highly doubt it. That's, that's what I'm saying. So, I mean, we could beat that to death, but I did. I did want to bring you in because of a. Uh, I, I sent you some Rockstar stuff today, but I did want to talk about Rockstar's Christmas goodies that they dropped for um, GTA Five. So you know, just in time for Christmas, Rockstar put out a brand new patch. Gets Christmas trees for your apartment. Um, a whole bunch of new weapons, hats, masks, pajamas, ugly Christmas sweaters. Um, you know, a lot of, a lot of holiday stuff. Plus I, I know they've dropped two new cars as well. Uh, the bravado rat truck and the vapid slam van. And I, and I wanted to ask you just because you, you know, you, you wrote up a piece about the heists and, and their eventual release. And I did want to touch on, you know, where you stand with just updates like this for the holidays. I think that stuff like that is just good and timely in that it just stretches the game out, the shelf life, just a smidge more. You know, because it's it's the holidays. You know, people are going to be home playing the games. Maybe they want to throw on a Santa hat or an ugly Christmas sweater before they go and rob a place or shoot somebody up. Well, last year's Christmas update was a lot of fun. Um, Dark Helmet in the chat will tell you that we really enjoyed that. Between me running around with a snowman head that just looked so twisted and the fact that San Andreas was covered in snow and... <laughs> We were just doing all kinds of, you know, maniacal things. We had a lot of fun with that. It, it was kind of, we were kind of upset when it went away, because, I mean, it, you know, it had to go away after a while. The Their holiday-themed updates have always been a lot of fun. It's like, you know, people actually do get upset when they end. Right. And I'm not to say that they shouldn't end, because 
that gives it more value when it comes back. And, you know, they're adding new stuff as well. But definitely the um, the Christmas update will be enjoyed by the GTA community. I was I was just I, I was pumped to see it because it just continues to show that they're 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 really trying their hardest to just create a living, breathing world that just evolves with the seasons, you know, like, hey, we're going to have this Christmas pack and we're going to put this out. And hey, you know, Independence Day is coming. You're going to get like the barbecue pack and you're going to have like an apron that says kiss the chef and all this stuff. And I think that by doing that, you're you're creating a legitimate world that you can continue to interact in. And, and it'll just give that game just a little, like I said, a little bit more shelf life. Not to say that people aren't going to continue playing GTA for the next year or two, but you know, like anything else, people play GTA for a while and then, you know, five or six games come out and it gets pushed to the back of the shelf. But Rockstar continues to try and keep it fresh. I mean, I feel like I forward you Rockstar correspondence at least once a week now. Pretty much. But, um, I mean, Rockstar, I, I, I do congratulate them, even though earlier this week I gave them some shit over the, the whole high mode. Right. My thing is with, with the high mode. Here's why I give them shit, because at the same time, I'm applauding them for not releasing it until it's ready, Right. which a lot of online people could, you know, t- take a cue from looking at uh, Ubisoft. <laughs> Ubisoft, 2K, and, EA. And Sony. Yeah, and Sony. Fucking up Drive Club. Yeah, well, well Drive, Club but, was, um, Drive Club was a complete, complete drop of the ball. You know, just for a multitude of reasons, like there was no PR campaign. There was no legitimate push to try and get people invested in the beta. You know that it's almost like they they intentionally derailed that game for whatever reason. And has anybody even played the crew? I don't even know. know Has anybody in the chat played the crew? If you have, definitely let me know. I will say I will say this. And um, I I placed this next news item a little lower than I should have. Because we were talking about Capcom, I forgot to tell you they're releasing a pack called the Wild Costume Pack for Street Fighter Four that lets you dress the fighters as different animals. Now, here's the beauty of it: they are um, they're gonna drop all these characters: uh, Rufus the Walrus, Jury the Cheetah, Dalsim the Elephant, and um, they're gonna they're gonna be I think four bucks for nine packs of four costumes again. It's like I understand you want to sell the costumes, but it's it's getting like it's getting absurd. You get what I mean? Like like I understand you want to try and continue to extend the shelf life of the game, but it's like you how many versions of Street Fighter 4 have we bought already? You know what I mean? And we have all these costumes like the Ultra version pretty much has all the previously released costumes in it. And now you're just hitting us again with more costumes. It's like can we get something free? <laughs> seriously especially because we've bought the game what uh, i i'm super guilty of it you know i'm i i come on air and i talk shit but i'm i'm a i'm a street fighter fan and i've bought i you know i have the big giant box set i you know i bought the the ultra street fighter so i am guilty of that but they don't get me with that dlc crap nope <laughs> that they don't get me with they don't get you with the cheapest shit they get you with the expensive shit well yeah they get me with the oh you know buy this game and then it's like like they got me with the box set but like i said at a substantially reduced price so it's okay and then the ultra one i bought just because at that point it's like oh they added a couple of guys i like to use and a couple of characters that are fun to play with so no big deal 
but the costumes i just feel like if people if if anybody honestly goes and and drops $40 on all the costumes or whatever the full pack of costumes costs it's like you're a glutton for punishment because when the ultra version comes out on PS4 you'll probably get those for free probably not to mention that they do the deals throughout the holiday season and even afterwards where the costumes are 25 cents each or 50 cents each. Like if they was like, Hey, the costumes are a quarter a piece. It's not the end of the world. But when you're telling me it's like, yo, it's $40 for costumes. It's like, come on, get out of here. Like I've said, the value of the game went from a $40 game to an $80 game in the drop of a hat. Well, let's rephrase that. The price went up. The value surely insurance hope did not go up. <laughs> the, price, the price went up. Well played, sir. Touche. I, I will say this. For, for all the nickel and diming we've been getting from all the publishers, uh, the consoles themselves have been getting a lot of great features. Uh, Xbox One got Pandora and Vivo and PlayStation 4. If you have it in the UK and if you have it um, in Europe and Asia, you, they actually got the Plex app. So you're able to do a lot of, of home theater streaming to your PlayStation 4, which is pretty cool. And um, it's obviously going to make its way to the U.S. sooner rather than later. Of course, the only the only catch is that Plex is only going to be available for Plex Pass subscribers only. Is what it is. I mean, that's kind of expected, but I hear what you're saying. Well, the thing that gets me is that, that it's the continued integration of both systems into just a, a home theater centerpiece and i don't have a problem with that i just i just feel that and and we've talked about this like i said at length about just the overall message and the overall purpose of the system being being the water being muddied by all this other stuff i mean don't get me wrong it's cool that you can stream pandora and that's great but you know you got to turn your tv on and your home theaters you know what i mean like it just becomes i don't want to say it becomes a chore but it just because it becomes something where it's like why would I want to do that? Who the hell knows? It's like a lot of the um, quote-unquote adding a value. I mean, it's free, so you can't really complain, but it's like it's kind of like the all the shovelware we got for the week. Yes. I was like, I wish I could take a shovel and just toss it somewhere. <laughs> well, you know what's funny? I did a, I ran a splitter to my Xbox One just to test out the um, the picture-in-picture when you're watching TV and gaming. Again, a nice feature but not something I would see myself using consistently. Like the, unless you're unless you're like playing a hardcore Madden game or a match or something where you have to do or a raid that's time specific, you really there's no necessity for you to have your your TV playing. I mean they add, they're adding that feature with Pandora also where you're able to listen to music while you game, which again, kind of cool, but depending on the game you're playing, you're not going to want to be distracted with the music. Like if you're playing a dialogue intensive game, they're, you're not going to be jamming on the music. You're probably going to be doing that if you're playing like a first-person shooter, you know, and you're in a lobby or something like that. But you're not going to be doing that if you're playing, you know, a role-playing game or something with just an intense story. I just don't see that happening. Again, nice feature, but its its purpose is is not where it should be. On the contrary, and I've said this before, the one feature I've always felt that we got shafted on was the you know the party mode with Netflix. You know, where you and, and your and your yeah. friends could watch the movies and stuff. I mean, you know, for for a comp for companies that push togetherness and online gameplay to strip that feature out was just stupid. Yeah, but as as we mentioned before, and as I've noticed the trend has not changed with the Xbox One. 
Microsoft has a trend of, you know, and masking it, trying to mask it, but basically copying Nintendo. Because that whole picture-in-picture thing, it's the Wii U without a tablet. Right. I've seen that. I I mean, listen, they're all going to copy each other. Remember when when the PlayStation Move came out after the Kinect came out and we played with the PlayStation Move at the Sony store? <laughs> yeah. You know, we we tested the it and we were just like... Move has, the PlayStation Move has moved itself into the trash can. Pretty much. I mean, I never needed... I never saw any necessity for me to pick it up. I'm kind of on the fence about picking up the, the PS4 camera because they do a lot of good deals on it. I've seen it down to 30 bucks in some cases and I may pick one up but again not not the end all be all I always pick up the camera for the the PlayStation and it comes in handy I mean it's cool that it uses your face to log in like I I honestly haven't used it too much for anything else because after that whole debacle with that Playroom software I kind of don't want to turn that on <laughs> I I used I've used the Connect on the uh, on the Xbox 1 you know it'll scan me and log me in automatically but after they started selling the systems without the Connect, they they you know they released a patch where the the Connect wasn't mandatory for it. So I ended up just turning the feature off because it's like you know if I'm sitting at the edge of the bed, it'll scan me and it'll it'll be like oh, all right you're there. But I just you know if I'm if I'm sitting in a chair on the other side of the room or some shit, I just didn't want to deal with it. I hear you with that too. Well, I, I I always felt it was a bad idea of making the Connect mandatory. Yep. But they were just trying to shove it down your throat. Oh, absolutely. It's it's really hysterical that people are still trying to sell, you know, those those first batches of of Xbox Ones that have the Kinect. Right. I'm like, wow, you still haven't sold the crop from last year? Nope, there's still some. I've seen that. I've seen that in a couple of stores. Some of the smaller stores, I have seen that. I've seen them in retailers, big retailers, and they still want $500 for it. That's insane, dude. Definitely not. If you're going to pay the 500 at least get the Call of Duty one with the one terabyte storage. That's not so bad. I did I did want to touch on two pieces of DLC news. Uh, for those of you that are that are playing Lego Batman, um, Lego Batman 3 is getting an update, which is the Batman of the Future character pack. It's going to be $2, available for the PC, PlayStation 4, PS3, Xbox One, 360, yada, yada, yada. And um, you're going to get Batman Beyond Terry McGinnis, you're gonna get uh, some of the, some of the bad guys from that series, including Blight, uh, the Joker of the future, and um, it's actually not being included with the game's season pass. So a couple of people were upset about that because they were like, "Hey, you know, if we paid for the season pass, why couldn't we get that?" Um, you have to pay the extra two Wait, bucks. Are they getting, when you say the Joker of the future, are they getting the Tim Drake Joker from the movie because that would be awesome. From the Batman Beyond universe, from the. Uh, I believe it was from the movie where the Joker came back. Yeah, I guess what happened because the Batman Beyond Universe didn't have an actual Joker other than Tim Drake. They had the Jokers where there was always a bunch of idiots dressed like clowns, but the only Joker was Tim Drake. So then they're they're probably going to put, because it says just, it has Joker by itself, so it's probably the Tim Drake Joker, Blight, and who knows, maybe they'll just throw in the Jokers, plural, for, um, you know, for filler. I mean, getting the, uh, the 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 advanced bat suit, you know, the batarang darts, and being able to turn invisible is cool. But I know that you know, I feel the frustration from people saying that, hey, if they invested in the season pass, why can't they get that? So, um, you know, it's it's definitely something that's not 
not doing Warner Brothers any favors at the moment, and I figured I wanted to touch on that because I know some people that really like Batman Beyond, and they, you know, when I told them, hey, you know, there's going to be a, a costume pack for that, they're like, oh, that's pretty awesome. But the whole debacle of it being separate from the season pass is not a good move. I mean, two bucks is two bucks. It's not going to kill anybody. But why why make people want to invest in the season pass if they're not going to get that? Yeah, I hear what you're saying. It's like the season pass should cover everything that was planned and anything extra. Absolutely. Like, I've seen season passes that say they specifically include this, which if you add more than that later on and it doesn't cover it, then why the hell did I buy the season pass? Well, WWE 2K15 did that, and that's actually the next news item I wanted to touch on because if you bought the season pass, then you'd get Paige as one of the characters, but they actually dropped uh, the first wave of post-launch DLC, and it's actually a WCW pack. You get Fit Finley, Lex Luger, Bam Bam Bigelow, Lord Steven Regal, and Diamond Dallas Page. Plus, you also, um, you know, for those people that didn't got buy the DLC, when the, or or do the pre-order, they'll be able to get Sting and um, you know Hogan as well. So a, a pretty cool DLC pack. I actually like that they give you a Lord Lord Steven Regal and um, Lex Luger because you know obviously tag team Sting and Lex Lu- use Sting and Lex Luger as a tag team uh, in the game is pretty awesome. But again, the only thing that gets me is the um, you know that you had to kind of include in order to get Paige, who's essentially on the current roster, there was that you were kind of forced to have to buy the season pass, either that or sit on the sidelines until they sold uh, her DLC separate, like they did with Sting and Hogan. There's still no Stardust, huh? No Stardust, but you know what I actually found, the um, which is kind of cool, and I wanted to touch on this story because this falls into the uh, the what the fuck gaming news category. So I went on there, and they have the um, the created section where people upload their creations and it's ranked, you know, most downloaded, uh, most popular, et cetera, et cetera. So when you go there, they have, um, you know, re redone superstars. So they have some really good stardust, uh, created wrestlers, like right down to the face paint he had on Monday night, which is insane. So, you know, I went on there, I got Finn Balor and I downloaded and, and this is crazy because this actually was a new story that not too many people talked about. I downloaded Chris Benoit, a really good Chris Benoit that somebody created. And um, there was a guy who was actually banned from playing the game either online or his account was locked because he scanned. Because, you know, you could scan faces and logos to create characters. Like, I believe the guy was banned because he scanned Benoit's face in to create the character. Now, I haven't played the game in about a week. So I don't know if the Chris Benoit that I downloaded may have been removed. But it just it's crazy to me that the guy would be, you know, banned for or blocked from playing the game because he created a wrestler. I understand that he created, a, he, you know, the guy committed a crime, but a wrestler's a wrestler, you know, like that's that level of censor, censorship bothers me because now you're telling me I can't create a wrestler who is still a wrestler because of because you guys deem him not not appropriate for the game. Tell me how. Tell me that. Tell me how insane that is. It is crazy, but I mean, it's like I understand both ends of the the sword. There, it's like if you let it go, it, it's a sensitive issue, and if you let it go, you're gonna see probably worse than that pop up. Well, here's I I found I actually found the story. So 
on um it was published by by our friends at uh Uproxx and they had they run a separate website called with spandex and what they did what happened was um you know they have the the face mapping feature which you know you can put your own face on your own created wrestler so what ended up happening was um a, a user by the name of Corey Bundick reached out to them on Twitter and said um he, the, the the tweet goes, WWE 2K's Twitter goes, good morning, WWE Games Universe. And Corey Bundick responds, well, it would be good if I hadn't been banned for two weeks for no reason. So the community manager, Marcus Stevenson, responded, and he said, I just checked your account. You were banned because you uploaded a Chris Benoit face to community creations. That's it? That's well, what it says? Uh, huh? That's all that they wrote to him? That's what they responded, and then obviously there's there's um some explanation there, and um according to what was said is you can't you can't according to what was said it was just the face mapping of Chris Benoit even though you know Benoit's matches are on the WWE Network and Uproxx cites a very crazy a crazy thing where there's face uploads of Hitler so what you're essentially saying and I and it, and I found it amusing was you're saying then that Chris Benoit is worse than Hitler. Because you could scan Hitler's face and put him in the game, but you can't put Chris Benoit in the game. And the thing was, I'm glad you said that because that's exactly what I was thinking when I said you kind of got to nip things in the butt, otherwise you'll see worse than that. I was thinking, like, what if somebody did, like, Saddam Hussein or Osama bin Laden or something, but they did Hitler. Well, it's like one guy in the comments wrote, they said if they don't want people creating Benoit when they shouldn't have put all his signature moves in the game. Because it's true, you know, the triple German suplex, crippler crossface, all that shit is in there. It's crazy. It's like the kid needs to get some kind of recompense for that if they allowed somebody to put Hitler in and didn't ban that person. I just I just don't understand how how th- that becomes such an issue. And the, and the beauty of it was, I, and I had contemplated reaching out to, to both um, the user and Marcus Stevenson, and I said, you know, going into it and trying to open that can of worms this close to Christmas is just not a good move. But it, I just, I'm, I'm confused when I heard the story because I said to myself, people have been creating Chris Benoit in the games for as far back as I can remember. You know, dead or, dead or not, killer or not, everybody created him at some point in all his different incarnations from, you know, Pegasus Kid to, you know, him when he was with the Four Horsemen, to the Rabid Wolverine, all of that shit. It's like, he has been, he has been in the game. And he will continue to be in the game. I just, you know, I just, I just don't understand that. It's, it's, you know, oh, you, you, you uploaded a scanned Chris Benoit face. And it's like, because he's a wrestler the guy wanted to play with. I just feel that maybe 2K should have a- a- acknowledged that in the beginning. Like, maybe they could have just deleted the creation Message the guy and said, "Listen, you know, we noticed you uploaded a Chris Benoit. We have a uh, we have a rule in place, or we have a a request that Chris Benoit not be allowed to be included in the game. We're kindly we're going to delete your creation. Please be aware of this in the future, as you do not want to get banned. Like I don't understand how you just ban the guy because he uploaded the guy's you know Benoit's facial scan. It was crazy to me. Agreed, and that's why I'm saying the kid would deserve some kind of recompense for that." It's 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 ridiculous. I mean, like I and I've seen it. I've seen community creations of Hitler, Bin Laden, uh, Saddam Hussein, and probably heavily downloaded too. 
Well, you know what was funny? Somebody, you know, like the comments were interesting, but the best comment was the guy wrote, and I've said this before, one of the greatest wrestlers of all time. And then somebody responded, and a murderer. Don't forget that part. But the guy said, one is not exclusive to the other. And like I've said before, Chris Benoit, the human being, terrible. Chris Benoit, the wrestler, legendary. You know, it's it, it, it's so tough, man. Yeah, exactly right. It's like probably the only reason why he's not in the Hall of Fame, especially the fact that he's dead, I mean, is because, because of the, you know, the circumstances surrounding said death. Right. I just, like I said, I if just found it. passed away by himself. Right. He'd be in the Hall of Fame right now. Probably. I just, I just found it unfortunate that, that, you know, the gamers, like, like you're, you're, you're limiting a gamer's creative expression because now you're, you're putting boundaries on who or what can be created. And again, the big, the, the elephant in the room was that it was uploaded to community creations. I'm sure if you create him on your own console and you don't upload it to community creations, you're good. But again, you know, if you. If you create a good likeness of the character and somebody says, hey, I want to recreate the Four Horsemen or I want to recreate the Radicals, you're telling me that I can't. If I go through the trouble of creating Perry Saturn, Dean Malenko, and Eddie Guerrero, and I can't add Chris Benoit into the mix because why, you know? It's well, it's really a, a big one of a situation because the only thing that I guess would have found more hypocritical about it would have been if 2K winds up being the publisher for that game I showed you last week, Hatred. Well, Hatred, it was weird, and I'm glad you brought it up because, you know, Steam took it off their, um, you know, they took they took it off their, their, their service because a lot of people were saying stuff about it, you know? I told you, I, I myself, if I were in that type of position, I wouldn't want to be associated with the game. Well, you know, I, I expanded. I actually went to the Twitter for the conversation, and um, the guy said... Uh, the the kid who was banned, he said, that's cool. Where is it that in the rules and policies? Because I saw plenty on community creations. And the community manager responded, we've been deleting those and the ones that are will be deleted. Let's worry about yours right now. And then the guy said, we're a WWE product. How do you think that's okay? I'm asking and I didn't even ban you. So the guy says, well, why is it not? He was an actual wrestler. He existed. I know he's controversial, but he shouldn't get someone banned. So the the... Yeah, you know, Marcus Stevenson responded, the policy has been pretty clear on him. DM me, you know, and then, you know, they, they exchanged whatever. It's just, it's just so weird. I would, I would have just kept writing, get you let people create Hitler and Bin Laden and, and, um, Hussein. Well, another, another, another user said that it's total BS banning people for using in-game content that you made available. And then, of course, the the community manager said, it's obvious why this is a violation. I'm just relaying the message. And um, the other guy responded, I want to know how's it obvious. Nowhere does it say that. I think it's BS, just saying. And, you know, it's funny because in looking at it, I'm, I'm curious. Shouldn't there be a rule either when you go into community creations like, hey, uh, characters that incite hate speech, uh, you know, characters that violate terms and conditions, i.e., and then put, you know, Chris Benoit as 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 just right there it is the right thing to do. Because like I said, everybody's created him in some capacity in a different game. Hell, I have. And the stupidest thing about that is you have, I mean, you, I've seen it on 
much simpler systems. Yep. I'm sure that when they uploaded this character, they named him Chris Benoit. Yep. You could have sent it so that, you know, when the person tried to enter that name, it didn't let it, it didn't let it go through. Exactly. That at least would have been a, a, a hint that Chris Benoit yep. should not go on the community server. I agree 100%. That is a perfect way to do it. Or at least when you try to enter it, it, it'll say, we see you're trying to enter Chris Benoit. Please be advised that Chris Benoit is not allowed as a community creation. And that's it. But I, but I wanted to share that because I just feel that that um, it's, it's, it's just weird. You know, it's just such a weird thing. Now, um, I know you had some stuff you wanted to add, so I kind of want to jump into that. Um, anything in particular that, that comes to mind? Well, I wanted to um, talk about, so, you know, just some good news regarding, you know, pre-orders that actually don't suck, pre-orders that aren't, like, beating you in the head. Right. And um, also just get a bit of a feel for, you know, what, what you think 2015 is going to look like. All right. But so um, hit us with it. I was telling you this morning, you know, I, I know you didn't get anything on it, but I when I was doing the... Um, the post on that that YouTube video you gave me, which, by the way, if anybody hasn't seen that, you really need to check out the, um, I guess I would call it a demo of Dying Light, where you can, it's a, like a 25-minute YouTube video, but it's like choose your own adventure, and it, it's almost like you're playing the game for real. Right. I played, I went through it. It's really cool, so anybody who hasn't checked it out should. But um, when I was doing that, I saw on the website, like, Dying Light's already, you know, for about a year now, it's had a pre-order incentive that, you know, if you pre-order, you get the Be the Zombie mode, which, you know, you sent me the the video recently where they had the gameplay of Be the Zombie mode, which is, looks insane. And um, I saw something else. There's another pre-order incentive, which it doesn't even look like they're making... They're not making a big deal about it, but a lot of people who would want to play the game would think it is a big deal, especially since it's kind of time. They're saying that um, if you pre-order the game and register your pre-order with them, they'll give you in-game content. Basically, they'll give you high-quality weapons for it. So it's it's like, you know, buy our game. We'll give you shit to, to stay alive in the game with. Right. And the thing is, they're saying there's seven weeks till the game comes out, which really there aren't. So this must have come out like last week, and we'll give you we'll give you up to seven dockets, which are like they're like coupons, good for when you actually start the game and you take them to this guy called the Quartermaster, and he gives you these high quality weapons. Okay. I was like, wow, that's pretty cool. Like, because I had already pre ordered the game last week, so like, right. why wouldn't I do it? Gotcha. So basically, you you register with the Dying Light website, which anybody interested is DyingLightGame.com. You link the the um the registration that you've made with your associated account, whether it be PlayStation Four, Xbox One, or Steam for the PC. Right. And they just send the information to your game when you get it. It's like you can register right now. You don't have to wait till the game comes out. Okay. Not a bad move. Definitely like, solid. Hmm, seven badass weapons to bash in zombie brains for free. Yeah, I'll take that. No harm in that. Definitely not. I think I think Dying Light has been doing their marketing correctly, and they've been they've been reaching out to us consistently. 
And I, I definitely have high hopes for the game. I mean, hearing that you pre-ordered it, I mean, you've been jonesing and excited for the game since I started sending you assets. And I started looking at them myself, and I'm like, maybe maybe Slick is definitely on to something with this game. Yeah, like I said, anybody who played Dead Island, like a lot of people, the, the complaints were, you know, kind of the lack of mobility. Right. And, you know, this game is made by the people who made Dead Island. That's why I've written that article, like, which game is the real Dead Island sequel between Dying Light and Dead Island 2? And I still stand by saying that Dying Light is the game. It'll definitely be the more serious of the two and more than likely be the better of the two because it's actually being made by the people who made the first two Dead Island games. Makes sense. Makes perfect sense to and me. it started off as a sequel with Dead Island. Yeah, I mean, like I said, the, the assets look good, the gameplay looks solid, the graphics look amazing, so... I definitely have high hopes for it. Anything else you wanted to add? I wanted to add, what are like um, five games you're looking forward to in 2015? Well, the new Batman, need that in my life. Um, Street Fighter V is a definite. Um, those are those are the top two. There's a, there's a rumor of a, of a Darksiders IP, which I'm hoping makes its return um, in 2015. Once I hear more, definitely I'll... Uh, I'll, I'll, of course, share it with you guys. Um, I'm kind of curious about The Order. The Order looks kind of badass. And and definitely Mortal Kombat. That new Mortal Kombat looks insane. I agree with you on that. But um, if I had to pick five, no-brainer right there. first one would be Dying Light. Right. Uh, the Order. Street Fighter Five. I almost don't even want to count Batman because I don't know anybody who's not looking forward to that if they have a new... Uh, <laughs> This, uh, this is true. This is true. But oh, um, I kind of want to throw Drake in there too because Drake looks fucking insane. The only thing is we don't have. Do we have a solid release for Drake yet? Not necessarily. I've heard probably November of next year, which is usually the time they drop all the other Drake games. Fuck it. I'm just gonna go over five. So you got Dying Light, The Order, Batman, Mortal Kombat, Uncharted. You got um. Dying Light, well, I said Dying Light, more than likely I will be playing Dead Island 2, even though I'm kind of iffy about it, the way the trailer looked. Right. And um, one that really looks like it's, it might fall under the radar, the biggest reason being is that it's a Wii U exclusive. Right. It's this game called Devil's Third. Ah, I've heard about that. But that game, I saw a trailer recently, that game looks insane. I actually came across it while I was trying to find that Hatred trailer. Ah, okay. And it looks like, kind of, I mean, it kind of looks like Ninja, Ninja Gaiden in a way, in the gameplay sense, mixed with, like, Mercenaries or something. Oh, geez, that's a, that's a crazy mix. Because it's got this big dude, like, really big dude, like, swinging a ninja sword, like, cutting ninjas in half. And I was like, this is something that I could definitely see myself playing for the Wii U. That and of course there's the um, that upcoming uh, Yoshi's game where, where everything is made out of yarn. That game looks insane. I don't know how I feel Obviously, about that. <laughs> um, nah, that game looks like a lot of fun. The um, st- upcoming Star Fox and Zelda. Right. And um, the Xenoblade Chronicles. Solid lineup, dude. You got a solid lineup of games. I mean, I got to try and clear of the backlog of stuff I got. So yeah, we we always got to the backlog, dude. That, that's Yeah, but you know what the problem is? My backlog is becoming not only stuff I bought, but also stuff I rented. (laughs) So 
can't have that. Wow. Yeah, I got some Gamefly stuff that I that I looked at, and I'm like, yeah, I should just drop that back in the mail. <laughs> so there you have it. Well, oh. to answer a question myself that I had asked you earlier, the one game that I would really love to see remade in, you know, using next-gen graphics and, and um, engine and gameplay and everything would be Incredible Hulk Ultimate Destruction. Wow. A blast from the past and a guilty pleasure. Damn, I should stream that for the next blast from the past. I think I have that. I mean, how many times did you just build up your gauge in that game Sit, just to get, like, in the middle of the city when, like, one of the big-ass Hulkbusters comes after you yep. and just launch launch one of the rage attacks? Oh, numerous times, like, dude, just bring, leveling cities. Bring, like, buildings down and just watch the, the freaking giant Hulkbuster just lift off the ground and just get destroyed. Absolutely. More times than I care to admit. <laughs> You never There's know. Nothing more satisfying than taking the the, the normal size Hulkbuster, flipping it upside down, and basically using it as a pogo stick. That was quite fun. I did do that a few times. That's for damn sure. But you you were gonna say something? No. The only the only thing I was um gonna add to that is that you know maybe if I have some time during the uh, during the break, will uh, I'll see if I can find that game and see if I could stream it as a blast from the past. That'd be a fantastic New Year's Eve thing. Yeah, I'll keep you posted if I decide to do that. All right, man. All right, my friend. Um, as always, you can follow Slick on Twitter at MTR Slick. And, of course, you can interact with him on our Facebook fan pages as well. Uh, Slick, of course, will be uh, continuing to post content on RageWorks.net throughout the holiday break. And, of course, you he will be around to answer questions and be involved in any live blog shenanigans leading up to... MTR's return in 2015. All right, my friend. Uh, thank you for the assist, and um, I will. I will. Uh, I'll see you on air next year. <laughs> All right, man. See you later. All right, bro. Peace. Peace. There you go. That was our very own Slick, and he actually helped close out the uh, gaming, the final gaming segment for 2015. All right, let's um, switch gears and jump into this week's entertainment news and wrap things up for the final MTR of 2014. Let's get that ball rolling, shall we? So I want to open up the entertainment segment with a uh, bit of gaming news that was is really a perfect segue. It's um actually involving a lot of Sega's properties and the intention the intention to bring them to the big screen. Uh, these are titles that many of us have played over the years that really are starting to pick up steam and may be be seen eventually in a theater near you. The games in question are Altered Beast. Streets of Rage, Shinobi, Rise of Nightmares, Crazy Taxi, Virtual Fighter, and Golden Axe. Now, as for what mediums they'll use, TV, film, or digital series, is not yet known. But these are IPs that are being considered to, excuse me, to be brought up to either, like I said, digital, TV, or film. Now, looking at this lineup, I will say that a Streets of Rage... Um, you know, expendable style film would definitely be awesome to see on the big screen. I mean, 
you got Cody, um, you know, you got Axel, you can use uh, the big jacked dude. I believe that was Max. So depending on which series you want to go by, you can actually bring that movie to the big screen with minimal effort. I mean, the end result is pretty much the same. Uh, A bunch of rogue cops fight their way through gangs to stop the maniacal Mr. Big from destroying the city. I mean, it's every action movie we've ever watched. And I think it would be interesting to see that play out on the big screen. If, if anything, I would probably film Streets of Rage the same way that the raid was done. Because the raid was just non-stop fighting pretty much from start to finish. Streets of Rage could be done the same way. With regards to casting, I think I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pose that to our uh, MTR and Rageworks audience. And see who they would cast for roles in a Streets of Rage film. As for Shinobi, Shinobi would make a good film as well. But um, if it's one thing with ninja movies that if the film doesn't have at least a decent plot, it really just gets swept under the rug. I mean, Scott Adkins did a really good movie about ninjas uh, a couple of years back. And while the first film was solid, it definitely wasn't as memorable as like the old semi-shitty, depending on who you ask, American Ninja series which I felt definitely captured a lot of the, you know, the ninja style, a lot of the the different techniques and the awesome weapons. I mean, don't get me wrong. The American Ninja series is by no stretch Oscar winning in any sense of the word, but at least it captured a lot of the the stuff that made ninjas very cool. You know, the uh, the claw grappling, uh, grappling gauntlets, the uh, the sickle on the chain, uh, the different katanas, ninja magic. All that stuff definitely is is something that really, as, as a kid growing up and, and, and loving martial arts, like ninjas were, were my shit. I had different ninja toys, ninja stars, all kinds of cool stuff because it's just such a, such a, a they're, they're such fascinating characters. And for a, a film, uh, a series like Shinobi, which has such a deep story, you can do a lot with it. But again, depending on the medium and the execution, it's 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 weird i mean altered beast kind of falls into that same category because if you look at altered beast and and you know in reference to the game and just the overall plot it's it's pretty paper thin so unless you plan on doing like a made for cable film i don't really see altered beast like making a jump to the big screen but i i do say that you could do something with crazy taxi maybe as a comedy uh virtual fighter same thing golden axe you can you can definitely do a lord of the Rings style uh epic uh, epic story with golden axe and use all the characters that we've come to expect i mean there's definitely a lot of potential there and sega is not joking in terms of bringing these characters to the big screen if anybody though deserves to be on the big screen it's probably sonic just because he's such a marketable character and he has such a a deep a deep rogues gallery but also a deep set of you know extra characters from Tails and Knuckles and Shadow the Hedgehog and and just all those characters you could do a lot with them and I think that if you franchise that out and do, and did that um you know with 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 at least a semi cohesive plot you could make some good money if you brought Sonic to the big screen but as of right now those are the titles that they're aspiring to bring to the to bring to the big screen and as we learn more we will definitely share it with you guys. I was reading on Latino Review earlier this week a rumor that's been circulating that they want to try another big screen reboot of Miami Vice. If you remember, 
they originally did a big screen version of Miami Vice with um, Jamie Foxx and Colin Farrell. It was directed by Michael Mann. And while a lot of people didn't like that movie, I really I really thought the darker tone was just it was good. It was a little bit lighthearted at the beginning. But as the film progressed, it did get into some real dark um you know, man on fire, real dark territory. And I liked it. I mean, don't get me wrong. It's not a movie I rush to the theater to see, but it's a movie that whenever it's on cable, I do stop and watch. I mean, you know, everybody has a differing opinion on that film. As for them trying to reboot it and bring it back to the big screen, if it didn't work the first time, I really don't think it would work as effectively the second time unless you tried to make it a comedy in, you know, in the same vein as 21 Jump Street and, you know, that was just luck at that point and a blatant cash grab. Plus, you had a, a, a semi-decent cast with good chemistry versus, you know, Miami Vice, which, like I said, is just a darker film. So, I, I you know, take it with a grain of salt. I mean, Latino reviews usually 50-50 with a lot of this stuff, but seeing Miami Vice on the big screen is something that I don't think a lot of people are, are going to give too much. They're not going to put too much thought behind it. That's all I'm saying. So... I want to talk about the Sony fallout with regards to Spider-Man and including him in um, Civil War. Uh, From the emails that were released during the whole hacking debacle, uh, one of the things that we learned is that Sony wanted Marvel to create a brand new set of Spider-Man films with Sony handling distribution. The only thing is that Marvel allegedly did not want to do anything with Andrew Garfield. According to what's been said... Marvel wasn't interested in allowing Sony to retain any creative control on the character whatsoever. That means uh, the director, uh, Andrew Garfield, everybody gone. And they would start fresh and they would use Civil War to introduce a brand new actor to portray Spider-Man on the big screen. Now, while everybody says that this particular rumor was kind of put to bed, I still feel that there's legs there. And with all the negative press Sony has received this past week, I think they'd be stupid to not entertain Marvel's offer, not to mention the fact that they would benefit greatly from allowing Spider-Man to exist in the cinematic Marvel universe. It's just it's just such it's one of those things where Spider-Man being the driving force of, you know, just Marvel's tentpole when, when it comes to books and merchandising It's just, it's insane to not include him in this quote unquote cinematic universe. I think that Sony at this, at this juncture hasn't really been faring well with regards to the Spider-Man universe. Plus, like I said, a couple of weeks back, they wanted to do an Aunt May solo film and a female character Spider-Man team up film. Then they wanted to do Venom. Then they wanted to do Sinister Six and they weren't sure if Sinister Six was going to tie into Spider-Man or be a standalone movie. It was it was insane. There were so many things that came out prior to this Sony hack that just really didn't give us a lot of hope with regards to the character. At this point, if Sony were smart, they'd either share the rights with Marvel or sell Spider-Man back to Marvel and let Marvel do what they do best because they're really not doing the Spider-Man the, the Spider-Man character justice. I mean, if you go back to the Tobey Maguire trilogy, once you get up to Spider-Man 2, you knew that after that, all bets were off. Uh, the Andrew Garfield films were were pretty decent. I mean, the first film had its issues, but it wasn't terrible by any stretch of the imagination. The second film definitely um, 
they stepped it up. They had a lot of action. And I do feel that Andrew Garfield probably delivered one of the better natural um, portrayals of Spider-Man on the big screen. I mean, he felt more akin to the books from delivery to his mannerisms, from the way they handled the web swinging and the fighting. It was it was all spot on comic. But again, maybe maybe people weren't feeling electro or the way they did the goblin or some of this other stuff. So, I mean, I'm curious to see how it pans out. But if if Sony were smart, they would allow Marvel the opportunity to do something with their flagship character. Um, I am going to get into the whole uh, thing with the interview and some of the fallout from that later on in the segment. But I did want to put that out there because that was a big story. And as a comic fan, I did definitely want to get that out there. All right, box office totals. Let's let's break it down. Um, of course, and I was surprised that this film came in at number one, but it definitely it definitely got us a, a sizable amount of people in the theater, and that is Exodus: Gods and Kings. Of course, that is the whitewashed version of the Ten Commandments and the story of Moses. It came in at twenty four point five million dollars, knocking off the Hunger Games: Mocking Jay which fell to number two. The Penguins of Madagascar was number three. Uh, top five came in at number four. Big Hero 6 dropped to number five. Interstellar was number six and continues to to make a shit ton of money. Interstellar's total right now is $166.8 million. Horrible Bosses 2 came in at number seven. Dumb and Dumber 2 came in at number eight. The Theory of Everything was number nine. And Wild came in at number 10. Obviously, the number one slot will more than likely belong to Lord of the Rings, which has already grossed well into um, as of Tuesday night. It had already grossed eleven point two million dollars across the country. Of course, there are you have to definitely throw an asterisk at that number because they were doing special special presentations of the trilogy in IMAX. So definitely take that into consideration. But I will say everybody I know is going to see Lord of the Rings and it's probably a shoe in for number one box office draw for number one box office draw this weekend. I will be seeing it uh, probably Saturday. So I'm hopefully going to have a review for it either late Saturday night or Sunday. I've been hearing mixed reviews about it, but I definitely want to see it all the way to, you know, I want to see it through and see all, you know, I've seen all six films, you know, well, all five films with this one being the sixth and I might as well just wrap it up. And as such, we'll see how it fares. And of course, like I said, be on the lookout for that review on Rageworks either Saturday night or Sunday. All right. So I did want to talk about Interstellar and it reaching a very, very interesting milestone. Like I said, it it already brought in $166.8 million. But um, Coming Soon reported that, get this, Interstellar passed the $100 million mark in IMAX showings worldwide since it was released November 5th. This is the fourth time that an IMAX movie has broken the $100 million mark. Um, the film has been uh, still running in certain theaters, and there's also it's also being shown in the 70mm IMAX as well. So, um, you know, Christopher Nolan, who did The Dark Knight Rises and The Dark Knight, and were some of the films that saw tremendous success in IMAX, definitely is probably... Uh, he's definitely proud of shooting these films with that medium, considering that this was one of a handful of films to break the $100 million mark. Uh, definitely very cool. Um, I wanted to go see Interstellar. I just don't think 
I, I want to sit in the theater for that long. I think that's a movie I could probably enjoy at home. I mean, I'm sure I, I could have seen Gravity in the theater as well. And when I watched it at my house, I mean, I have a, a pretty decent sized TV. I enjoyed it just the same. I think Interstellar is going to fall into that category as well. Um, hopefully, if I go see Lord of the Rings and I see it in high frame rate IMAX, uh, you know, I can definitely share my thoughts on that, much like I did with The Hobbit. But in any case, um, if you haven't seen Interstellar yet and you have an IMAX theater close by, definitely give it a shot. Everybody says it's just a beautiful film in IMAX and it's worthy of all the the um, all the praise and all the hype surrounding it. So definitely give that a shot. Now, let's talk about the elephant in the room, shall we? Um, of course, the interview, which pretty much opened the Pandora's box of hacking for Sony, its staff, and countless actors and actresses involved with the studio, was officially shelved by the studio earlier today. Uh, the announcement came through from various websites. Um, well, correction, it was shelved late last night and made official today. And here's here's where I stand on this entire matter. Now. The, the, the big, the big, the big to do came out of, uh, the hacking community threatening nine 11 level terrorist attacks on theaters and surrounding areas that showed the film. Now we have a, a pretty good, um, CIA and a pretty good FBI as far as I can tell that, and a department of Homeland security as well that is going to monitor threat levels of that magnitude. The minute that the words 9-11 were used, I am sure that that raised a red flag immediately. But here's here's the thing. Sony was still going to go through with it, and as the days progressed, you started seeing Franco and Rogan not do certain appearances, premieres were being canceled, press for the film was being shelved, And then before you knew it, it was Sony giving theaters the option to not show the film. And, you know, there's two schools of thought. Obviously, when you're when you're issuing a threat of the magnitude of 9-11, it's something that cannot be taken lightly. But I do have to say. We as a country have endured countless things from domestic terrorism to international terrorism to, you know, Ebola outbreaks, various presidencies, assassinations, you name it, racial divides across multiple states. Uh, You know, we've endured a lot. And to let an Internet threat essentially, you know, uh, make people kowtow to these demands, it just it just boggles my mind because we, we are a country that's built on being not only innovative, but being the guys that'll puff out our chest and be like, yeah, fuck you. We're not doing that. This is what we're going to do because otherwise the terrorist wins. I mean, you know, when we, when we, the New York residents endured nine 11 and you know, the people of, of Washington, you know, of DC endured what happened with the Pentagon and, and the way that that touched so many different individuals in so many ways, some super close, some in a more indirect fashion. The fact was that we tried to maintain a sense of normalcy. Every time that threat level went from yellow to orange or various other threat levels were assessed, we continued to press on. When the guy had the the, the truck wi- wired with explosives in Times Square for Christmas 
and we caught the guy again. People tried to go about their business. I remember getting on a subway numerous times. And if I had a large book bag with me loaded with my camera or any equipment and a cop asked, hey, do you, you know, we'd like to just inspect your bag. You opened your bag and it just became the day to day. Going into Penn Station here in New York City, you're going to see soldiers with assault rifles. You're going to see police officers with bomb sniffing dogs. This is something that has become the norm. But because of that, it has allowed us to be bigger people, to press on, to continue enjoying the freedoms that have been afforded to us, whether it's, you know, from the, the sacrifices of, our, of the men and women in the armed forces or just from our own sheer determination to be hard ass motherfuckers. The thing that bothers me about this is that you let an Internet threat because, again, let's let's be realistic. This isn't ISIS. This isn't, you know, the Taliban. This is a group of individuals behind a computer using the words 9-11 and people automatically folding like a deck of cards. Now, again, I understand from a safety standpoint, if certain theaters decided, hey, we're not going to do that, we're not going to show the film. But what Sony at that point should have done is say, hey, you guys don't want to show the films for safety reasons. We're just going to release the movie for free. Or we're going to do like guys like Louis C.K. and other people have done. And we're going to release the film for five dollar donations. Everybody donates five bucks. And just out of spite, people are going to watch the movie as a way to say fuck you to the terrorists and, and to the quote unquote hackers. People would have supported the film. They would have done it. For you to just automatically just turn around, shelve the movie entirely. And this is the thing that gets me. You're not releasing it on video on demand. You're not, um, you know, putting it on Netflix. You're not releasing it on any medium. You're just shelving it and pretend and hiding under your, your, your corporate, your, your tables in your meeting rooms and just praying that nobody says anything else. And I just feel that that is a, you know, that's, that's a pussy move that makes us look foolish as not only as, as individuals, but just as a nation, the fact that that you, you know, a studio decided that because of an internet threat that you would pull this film. There have been worse films and more controversial films than that that have been shown in theaters. And then the crazy thing was that um, theaters like Alamo Draft House and other theaters were going to show uh, Team America, which, of course, we all know uh, Team America had a lot of fun at the expense of Kim Jong-il with its film. And Paramount decided to flex its muscle and tell these theaters such as Alamo Draft House not to air that film in place of the interview. And again, it just it's just it just it, it upsets me. This film had a forty two million dollar production budget, plus all the money that went into marketing. And because a couple of guys behind a keyboard were bent out of shape, we decided to just fold up, take our ball and go home. It's insane. You know, I just I just don't understand. I cannot comprehend why there wasn't a way for you to stick it to these quote unquote hackers and just saying, hey, we're going to release the film um, on video on demand for five bucks. And if you want to see it, you can you can watch it or, hey, we're going to release the film on video on demand and DVD and Blu-ray on Christmas Day. What are you going to do? Are you going to threaten to blow up every retailer, every Best Buy, every Target because they're selling the film? And that's that's what upsets me. It upsets me that 
The studio didn't even try to fight the good fight. They didn't even try to man up and take and, and, and take some initiative. They just said, okay, you don't want us to do that? No problem. It's it's insanity at its best. And you see all the different, you know, all the different celebrities, all the different pundits, um, all the politicians jumping out. And of course, you know, the matter's being investigated by our government. And, you know, there's there's strong there's strong rumors that, you know, Korea was you know, North Korea was behind this entire plan from the start. And if so, there should be some sort of, you know, somebody has to answer for that because when you threaten a country with a 9-11, with a quote-unquote September 11th level event, it's something that should not just be viewed lightly. Do not misunderstand. I'm not saying that it's not a threat that should be taken seriously, but it's a threat that should be taken seriously by our federal government. You know, if we offend, uh, you know, Kazakhstan or or China or Japan or whoever in a film and they get bent out of shape about it, is this going to be the trend going forward? The minute that somebody gets upset or bent out of shape, you know, whatever, whatever medium we're consuming, whether it's movies, music or video games is going to get shelved. It's absurd. As a, you know, as an American, as as somebody who who, you know, thrives and, and, and believes in freedom of speech and freedom of expression. I just feel that that was just a poor way of handling the entire chain of events. I mean, don't get me wrong. A lot of people's stuff got exposed. A lot of emails, a lot of stuff. I was hearing about, you know, Amy Pascal having to meet with Al Sharpton after the uh, quote unquote insensitive comments made about meeting Barack Obama and asking if he liked, you know, Django Unchained or, or 12 years a slave. Yes. You know, those are people that are that are that are ig- that are ignorant and stupid. And that's a different issue that needs to be addressed. But like I said, the elephant in the room is the fact that a studio folded because of a threat from somebody behind a keyboard. It wasn't ISIS. It wasn't the Taliban. And sure, you know, North Korea is managed by a guy who's definitely a little nuts. And, you know, it's a country that has you know, nuclear capabilities, but I've never heard of, you know, North Korean sleeper cells or North Koreans, you know, wearing bullet exploding vests and, and killing themselves in, in South Korea or in other countries. I've never heard it. What I've heard is that they, you know, there's an impressive hacking community and that's fine, but you should, you know, our government should handle that. The film, if you, if you were uncomfortable at the threat that was issued again, Video on demand, five bucks. Hell, we're going to release it on DVD and Blu-ray for $19.99. People would have bought the film on principle. Even people that hate Seth Rogen or hate James Franco would have done it on principle because our freedoms and our freedom of expression were being threatened by a faceless, nameless entity. Just a, you know, a group of people calling themselves the Guardians of Peace, but we've never heard of them. We don't know who they really are. Again, faceless, nameless. It's different if it was like, you know, anonymous and, and anonymous was doing something and, and then they were, you know, either doing it to make a statement or doing it to, to make an example. But the fact that a group of hackers used a 9-11 style threat is something that it's it's it should be handled by the government. And the studio should have just handled it differently. At the minute that theater said, you know what, we're not going to show the movie. That's when the studio should have turned around and said, hey, 
video on demand, you can watch the movie on the internet. Why? Because you can't stop the internet. You can't. Sure, they could you could you could release the video on your own site and the hackers can take down your site, but you can't stop torrents, you can't stop, you know, file sharing, you can't stop Usenet or Dropbox or whatever other medium, you can't stop it. You'd have to crash the entire internet at that point. Simple as that. Or like I said, you could have said, hey, next week, you know, movies come out on Tuesday in stores. You could have said December 30th, we're releasing the interview on DVD and Blu-ray at your local retailer. Buy the film. Buy the film that, 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 you know, North Korea didn't want you to see. I guarantee you, yeah, you wouldn't have made back $42 million, but at least you would have showed that you got some fucking balls. That's it. And and again, I the movie may have sucked. It may have been terrible, but you know what? You should people we should have been allowed to make that determination. Not a not a faceless not a faceless entity behind a keyboard. It should have been us, you know, the viewers, the consumers. We should have made that. You know? That's that, plain plain and simple. And then you know what's funny? You go on eBay and the posters for the film are selling for three, four, five hundred dollars because, of course, this is the kind of stuff that happens. You know, it's like out of out of out of uh, unfortunate events, opportunity strikes. So if if you got an interview poster and you want to make a couple of bucks, throw it up on eBay. Maybe you'll get a couple of hundred dollars for your trouble. But like I said, Sony should have dropped that movie on video on demand. Uh, you know, don't you know either pay to watch or donation, whatever the case may be, and then just release it on on DVD and video the next week immediately. Just press it and sell it. I guarantee you, you wouldn't have made back $42 million, but you would have at least shown you had some balls. Simple as that. Anyway, a couple of months back, we talked about the the film based on the son of Apollo Creed. Now, um... It's being uh, the plot has been changed a little bit. It's going to focus on the grandson of Apollo Creed. And of course, the film is aptly titled Creed and it is a Rocky spinoff. Sylvester Stallone will be playing Rocky Balboa and he will serve as a mentor and trainer to the grandson of Apollo Creed played by Michael B. Jordan. Uh, The funny thing is that initially I looked at this film as just a film that's taken advantage of the Rocky name and just using it as a, a vehicle for Michael B. Jordan. But you know what? Watching the Rocky films earlier this week, because they always give them for Christmas, I realized that the Rocky story, you know, excluding the one where he fought Tommy Morrison, is just always a great movie to watch. You're either you're either going to watch it and feel awesome after you watch it, or you're going to just feel, you know, you're going to get the, the inclination to go and box or do something, but you're always going to get some sort of a feeling out of that series. And especially the last film, Rocky Balboa, where, you know, Sylvester Stallone played an older, more broken down Rocky and the relationship between father and son. It was just just incredible storytelling. And I'm hoping that the same level of storytelling that was in that film is brought to a film about Apollo Creed, because you know what? Even though it's it's following Apollo Creed's grandson, Apollo Creed's character in the Rocky films, you didn't know much about him other than he was you know, the champ, the, you know, the, the rich champ who got sloppy and lost to the underdog and then ended up forging a relationship with him only to later be killed by Ivan Drago. But you didn't know anything else about the character. You know, he grew up, yeah, he grew up in, in, you know, the quote unquote 
urban jungle. And, you know, he he helped Rocky Balboa become a better fighter to fight Clubber Lang. But other than that, there was no other there was nothing deeper about the story. So I'm hoping that Creed is able to shed some light on that. Plus, I'm, I'm I'd like to see Sylvester Stallone playing a role that that was as iconic as, you know, as some of his other roles. I mean, Rocky Balboa and Sylvester Stallone go hand in hand just like Rambo does. Sure, you could talk about The Expendables and some of those other shitty movies, but when you talk about Stallone, it's either Rambo or Rocky. That's it. I mean, for those of us that are that are a little older, we're definitely going to acknowledge Cobra because he was he was pretty good in Cobra too, but also but I like I said, Rocky and Rambo are the first films that come to mind and the last Rambo movie where he played an older John Rambo was just as awesome. I mean, incredibly violent, but definitely awesome as well. All right, to uh, wrap things up, I did want to talk about the uh, the DVD and Blu-ray numbers only because it should not come as a shock to anyone that Guardians of the Galaxy was the number one selling Blu-ray. And I mean... You know, the film itself has a 76% Metacritic score. It's made $332 million domestically, and it already has a Blu-ray share of 62%. Uh, The only film that was close in competition to Guardians of the Galaxy was the Dawn of the Planet of the Apes, which also was a surprise hit as well on the Blu-ray side of things. So the uh, the top-selling Blu-rays for um, the the week of September 14th were Guardians was number one, Dawn of the Planet of the Apes was number two, um, Dolphin's Tale was number three, How to Train Your Dragon 2 was number four, Maleficent was number five, but we can also attribute that to a very, very attractive price point during Black Friday. When the game stands tall, The Expendables 3 was on that list, 22 Jump Street, Frozen, of course, and X-Men Days of Future Past. Um, You're looking at... um, a lot of really, really solid titles on that list. Uh, Guardians, of course, is amazing. Uh, Dawn of the Planet of the Apes was was just as good. Slick actually picked up the Steelbook for uh, Guardians of the Galaxy. I picked up the regular one just because you know I'm not I'm not gonna go crazy chasing the uh, the Steelbook, but Slick did pick it up. And um, Guardians of the Galaxy is just a, an amazing transfer. Um, I actually got the 3D version on it as well, and it's it's just a great showpiece for your home theater, 3D or otherwise. Uh, Vibrant colors, beautiful picture. If you have, you know, a 240 hertz upconverting TV or even an upconverting TV to 4K, you're going to get an amazing picture. I mean, don't get me wrong. It's amazing in HD as well. But some of these pictures that some of these televisions that have some of the more advanced technology are really going to make the film pop. So I definitely endorse um, Guardians of the Galaxy on Blu-ray. Pick that up. Dawn of the Planet of the Apes, I've been I've been meaning to sit down and watch it. I've heard good things about the audio quality and video quality of the film as well. I know Slick picked it up. Who knows? Maybe he'll uh he'll toss a review out there with regards to the Blu-ray itself, but I've heard nothing but good things. I will say uh the Expendables 3 on Blu-ray was pretty good. The uncut footage added a little bit more to the movie, but it didn't add enough to where, you know, you have to run out there and pick it up. If anything, wait to see if it drops down to like 10 bucks or at least $10 for that film is, is, is a, is a solid bet. Um, X-Men days of future Pass is, is a must on Blu-ray. If you want to pick up a Blu-ray for a Marvel fan this holiday season, X-Men days of future Pass, I definitely recommend. All right. So 
with that said, that is actually going to wrap up tonight's show as well as wrap up my take radio for 2014. Um, a couple of things before we, we fully close out the show, as always, if you want to check out archived episodes of my take radio, you can find them on iTunes, Stitcher, and tune in radio. If you are getting the shows off of iTunes, please take a moment and review the show. We'd really appreciate it. It helps us in the rankings. It allows us to get noticed on the front page of iTunes. And of course it allows the show to reach more ears. So keep that in mind. Otherwise you can also catch archived episodes on mytakeradio.com, rageworks.net. And if you want to watch video of my beautiful face, <laughs> you can go to youtube.com forward slash my take radio TV. You can subscribe there, or you can go to youtube.com forward slash official rageworks. And um, you can watch video episodes of my take radio there as well. All right. On behalf of myself, slick Andrea, Josh, the buried boys, the rightist Ben Jay Santi and the rest of the MTR family and our partners. Uh, thank you guys for tuning in and making 2014 an awesome year for MTR. And of course the birth of Rageworks. We only can go up with uh, 2015 around the corner. So definitely continue supporting us. We're going to keep trying to give you guys kick-ass content, both on air and on the web. All right, guys, see you guys in 2015. Thank you guys as always for your continued support. And uh, wow, what a fuck up. (laughs) Uh, Thank you guys for your continued support. I am out of here. Peace. Peace. (laughs) Everything, everything, that's all, folks.